Technology has enabled dramatic advances in healthcare, but in some cases, speed and precision may have come at the expense of human interaction and empathy. We need to re-humanize healthcare and empower clinicians to improve the delivery of both treatment and care. Welcome to Nuance in Healthcare, a project by Nuance Communications. In this season, we look at the evolving field of clinical documentation improvement, or CDI. As more hospitals launch health management and quality initiatives, leaders should ensure their staffs are empowered to accurately document each patient's story without overburdening them. Listen in to hear how leading healthcare professionals are using artificial intelligence and other technologies to improve patient outcomes and deliver more value to the healthcare organizations they work for. Today I talked to Sharon Krug, System Manager for the Clinical Documentation Department at TriHealth in Cincinnati, Ohio. In this episode, we discuss the significance of specific and clear documentation in light of patient electronic medical records. We also discuss how the role of CDI has expanded and how it affects the other aspects of a patient's hospital stay. Let's begin with Sharon giving a broad look at her role as a system manager. I manage 21 clinical documentation specialists, and what they do is review all of the inpatient charts in our hospitals, and I follow up to make sure they're being done appropriately. Of course, I'm responsible for scheduling, making sure that they have vacation time that they want and that payroll is correct. In their eyes, that's the most important thing I do. (laughs) But I do a lot, I'm on a lot of committees doing chart reviews for interns, doing what I can to decrease denials, just anything that even closely touches on improving clinical documentation, decreasing denials, I'm a part of. Okay. And so when or how did your CDI journey begin? Our CDI program began here at Trials in 2003. And I was hired on in 2003. I progressed from a staff nurse to a supervisor to a manager. Okay. And so you were hired on specifically for the program? Yes. Okay. In the past, it had been a part of care management, but they found that that didn't work. So TriHealth created a department just for clinical documentation. Okay. So then also beforehand, for a little bit of context, did you have any healthcare in your background before you started that initial role? My primary job has been in nursing. I will be celebrating my 45th year at TriHealth in October. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Or condolences. (laughs) (laughs) No way. We'll stick with congratulations. (laughs) All right. So then you have a pretty broad scope in terms of just the healthcare space and then specifically clinical documentation improvement. How do you feel like CDI has changed over the years? Initially, we only review traditional Medicare because that is how your case mix index is impacted. And we wanted to impact our case mix index and, of course, to have a financial impact. As medicine and reimbursement evolved, our program did too. We expanded to all payers And besides just looking at trying to get documentation that would have a financial impact, we started looking at severity clarifications just to increase the severity of illness, risk of mortality, 
And if, you know, knowing that if one diagnosis, secondary diagnosis was denied, perhaps we would have another one. And so we would not have a financial loss on those charts. And our approach has always been what we need to do is paint a very accurate picture of how sick the patient is when they get to the hospital and all of the resources that are required to take care of that patient. And so we will go for every diagnosis, whether it has a financial impact or length of stay impact, just to try to get a very accurate picture of that patient's care. Excellent. Okay. So that's something that's come up a lot in past interviews of being able to really document a accurate picture and properly addressing it. And it seems like maybe in past times it was easier and maybe this is assumption of mine, but it maybe in past times it was a little easier to let things fall under the radar. So how do you approach each individual in a way that you can accurately represent them in the way that you're talking about? When you say individual, do you mean a provider or a patient? I mean like a patient. I do all of the orientation during the first two weeks of all of my new hires. And the way I describe it to them is it's like looking for a four-leaf clover or an Easter egg hunt. The things that are documented are easy to find, but the real challenge and the real reward is when you dig a little deeper and you find little gems. Maybe a doctor would document the patient is confused and they might medicate them for the confusion, but they never said this patient has acute metabolic or toxic encephalopathy. Well, confusion means nothing from a documentation and coding standpoint. So our job is to say, you said this, you treated them with this. Is this what you mean? And the reason we're asking you this is because especially as mobile as our society is now and with the electronic medical record, you don't want to leave off those important little secondary things, even though they may just be nuances, because let's say they go to Florida for the winter and something happens, their electronic medical record can be transferred to them. And if something like an episode of metabolic encephalopathy or maybe just a little bump in their renal labs, giving them a little acute renal failure, is not documented, it could impact their treatment and their outcomes down the road. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so am I hearing that it's more a matter of making sure that the people doing the documentation are just paying attention to those details and then accurately describing them opposed to using a more vague word like confusion? Yes, there are many guidelines by CMS and there are terms that can be coded which impact and there are many terms that cannot be coded and will not impact. And our responsibility is to make sure when appropriate, the words that will impact that patient are in the record so they can be coded and be a permanent part of that record. Mm -hmm. Before our conversation, we were chatting a little bit about education. And conversations like this always remind me of the precision of language. And it reminds me, if you read the book, The Giver, Yes. Yeah. So like how they got after, I forget it was Jonas's best friend. Jonas is the main character for our listener. If you haven't read the book before and he would say things like, Oh, I'm starving. And then they'd end up get punished for it. Cause they were like, no one in this community is starving. And it's like, 
obviously an abstract <laughs> kind of connection, but still that precision of language seems so necessary in this field to really, truly take care of the people that are involved. Well, I was thinking about it from a literary standpoint earlier today. And just again, as an example, I was thinking of the book, Good Night Moon. Mm -hmm. Basically, I could paraphrase it and say, it's a book about a child before they go to sleep, they look at everything in their room, they say good night to them, and then they go to sleep, which covers it, but it's not complete at all. You're missing all of the detail of what's in the room and who this child says good night to. And it's like a chart. I mean, you could document the patient was sick, they came to the hospital, we treated them, they got better, they left. And basically, that's what happened. But it really doesn't tell a good story, and it's cheating the patient and the future providers. Absolutely. How do you feel like then CDI has changed? I know how you said your role has changed, but how do you feel like CDI has changed since you began? I think CDI has expanded to so many more areas than when we initiated our program. As I mentioned earlier, we were looking for ways to increase the case mix index and increase the reimbursement. We still do that, but what we have found is if we focus on getting the best documentation, that comes. Because of how our role has expanded, we look at patient safety indicators to see if they are actually hospital-acquired conditions that will impact the hospital. We look closely at present on admission. We are beginning to look at outpatient CDI. And a big thing now is denials. So what our program is doing now is working on ways to proactively improve the documentation in the chart while the patient's in the hospital to prevent those denials. Mm -hmm. This has such a huge impact on each individual patient and the hospital as a whole. Do you have any stories of how either your work or maybe somebody from your team's work has positively impacted either the hospital or a patient? And obviously I don't need the specifics of them, but just like kind of the story of what happened. Shall I give you an example of what we're doing to decrease denials with malnutrition right now? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear it. We were having difficulty with our malnutrition documentation. So I worked with the manager of inpatient nutrition and dietitians, and what we did is we created a template which covers Aspen and criteria for any level of malnutrition. Our dietitians do the assessments, and then initially all the physician had to do was co-sign it. And that worked very, very well for the first, I would say, three to four years. But then the auditors caught on, and as it turned out, the physician templates had an automatic drop-in that said, well-developed and well-nourished. So we were getting dinged because there was conflicting information. I worked to have that taken out of the templates, and that worked for a while. But again, the auditor said that's not enough. So we worked on a physician attestation for the nutrition assessment, which specifically states when they attested the type of malnutrition the patient has, and it says, I agree with the dietitian's assessment and plan. 
which again, we thought was great. Right now, we are currently working on having that drop into a progress note, just so we will have it done twice with the attestation and in a progress note, just to make sure everything is covered. Five years ago, we were ahead of the game with documentation, but the auditors have become very, very savvy, and we have had to make changes to keep up with their demands. And it's also improving the documentation. It's much more consistent throughout the patient chart. So I think it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like, I don't know the proper way to describe it. It's kind of an adversarial relationship. But I think ultimately, they have a job to do. And in most cases, I respect them for that. And we have a job to do. And their job is to try to get back as much as they can. And our job is to make sure they don't. (laughs) Yeah, it is. That's the one piece of this whole journey as I continue to go through each one of these interviews, the dynamic between both the financial piece and how in certain regards, like businesses just have to run. And obviously the purpose of the hospital is to help people and to heal people and balancing it against that component too. And so I've just always, I've appreciated people in your role. And I think you have a very interesting set of responsibilities to both be looking at it from a fiscal standpoint, but also at the end of the day, caring about people and trying to help them out as individuals. I had a conversation this morning with one of my nurses because she didn't understand, well, if I already have one secondary diagnosis that will impact the DRG and reimbursement and length of stay, why do I need to go for another one? And the easiest way for me to explain it and how I explained it to her was think about this patient's record as British royalty. You need an heir and a spare. That's a funny way to put it. And and I said, so let's say you have one CC, but you find two other things that would be a CC, but the way they are now, they're just severity. If an auditor comes in there, And they're thinking, well, I'll take this one CC away. If they see two more CCs, they will realize that if they take that, that is not going to impact anything about our reimbursement or our length of stay. It will just hurt the patient. And so there are times when they don't even go for them. I feel like their target is when you only have one secondary diagnosis that impacts reimbursement and length of stay, that's what they're looking for, the kind of low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. So if we have secondary diagnosis that are supported, we should add them. And that was my lesson this morning. (laughs) Yeah, no, lovely, lovely. So for our listener, as they've heard you talk about CDI and a little bit of your own journey with it and everything, what do you feel like is one takeaway or one importance about CDI that you would want to make sure that they consider or that they know? From a personal perspective, the minute that I transitioned to CDI, I truly believed that I was going to lose all of my nursing skills. But every single day, I learned something new. I am better at neuro than I have ever been in my life just because I have the opportunity to work with neurologists, neurosurgeons, and see their documentation, see the new medications, the new treatments, the new surgeries. 
I do. I learn something new every day, and I have never been bored in this job. I feel like, personally, I continue to grow on a regular basis, and professionally, I am doing a wonderful service for the patients whose charts we review. Wow. That's a really bold statement. I want to infer a little bit. So I'm assuming just being a nurse or somebody that's kind of on the ground floor, quote unquote, you're working with these patients individually and and helping them. And then I'm sure there's a, a big piece of kind of just even personal satisfaction or reward from doing that type of work. Are you saying that you were afraid that by moving more towards this, I don't know if you would consider it an admin style role, but that it would remove you from that? Well, we do not have direct patient contact on a regular basis, although we do spend three to four hours a day on the floor rounding with the physicians. And of course, if we're sitting up there and a visitor or a patient comes to the door and says, hey, I need something, we will by all means help them. But as far as hands-on nursing, this is a role from which we've all stepped away. And that's where I thought I would really lose. You know, I came from the cath lab, and that was a real adrenaline rushing department. And to move into this, I really anticipated a decline in my nursing skills, and I have not found that at all. Yeah, wow. Could you give like just even a further example of something maybe exciting that you've learned lately from this particular role? Oh, me personally? Yeah. Oh, I was reviewing a chart. And this was when I was working as a CDI full-time, so it's not. I am considered a working manager, so I do do cases. But working full-time, I reviewed a chart. This young woman had come into the hospital very ill. She had been traveling either to Central or South America, just, and no one could figure out what it was. And it bothered me that she was so young and so sick and I just felt like there was nothing we were doing for her. I did research, and I went to the doctor, and I said, do you think she might have dengue fever? <laughs> Which is, you know, something that you would get from the area out of the country that she had visited. And, in fact, she did. So just to be able to help diagnose that patient was rewarding. Another more recent one was I was reviewing the chart. A patient had been discharged, and I saw that he was almost completely occluded in one of his carotid arteries and it had not been addressed prior to his discharge. So I tracked down that patient's physician and I said, you need to review this and maybe consider contacting a peripheral vascular surgeon because according to the results, they're at very high risk for stroke. And they agreed with me and followed up. Yeah, that's pretty revolutionary. It does sound like you're doing some great work. Well, again, it's like that Easter egg hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to keep your eyes open. You're like the Jason Bourne of CDI, (laughs) always aware. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much. This was really great talking with you. It was nice speaking with you, too. It's always fun to talk about something that I dearly love and enjoy. So thank you for asking me to speak with you. Thank you for listening to Nuance in Healthcare. To learn more about Nuance's AI-powered solutions and services, or to learn more about the show, please visit nuance.com forward slash healthcare. That's nuance.com forward slash healthcare.